Forget frequently asked questions. Common sense, common knowledge, or Google. How about advice from a real genius? 95% of people in any profession are good enough to be qualified and licensed. 5% go above and beyond. They become very good at what they do, but only 0.1% are real geniuses. Richard Jacobs has made it his life's mission to find them for you. He hunts down and interviews geniuses in every field. Sleep science, cancer, stem cells, ketogenic diets, and more. Here come the geniuses. This is the Finding Genius Podcast with Richard Jacobs. Hello, this is Richard Jacobs with the Finding Genius Podcast. My guest is Wanda King. She's the uh, owner of Deep South Homestead. So we're going to talk about homesteading, you know, how to do it in a non-complicated way, simple way. So welcome, Wanda. Thank you. Hi, Richard. Uh, I'm enjoying just being on the podcast with you today. Um, thank you for inviting me. I'm Wanda. My husband, Danny, and I live on a 10-acre farm in South Mississippi, and we try to just kind of live a little bit of a simple life, not complicated, not bogged down with all the things that most people have in their lives. And uh, we kind of enjoy the journey in our later years. Hmm. How did you guys uh, decide to start homesteading? What did you do before that? Well, Danny and I married in 2013. And um, before that, he uh, owned his own business. He built houses, but he built specialty houses. He was a I guess you would say a specialized carpenter because he did all kinds of fancy woodwork and different things that people did not usually do. And his wife had passed away two years before from cancer. And when we met, I was, on the other hand, uh, uh, I guess you would say a home. Ah, let's see, how would you say that? I stayed at home with my children. I raised five children. And um, we always had gardens. We had gardens when I was little. We had gardens when my kids were coming up. But I'd always wanted more. I'd always wanted a place where I could have all the fruit trees and all the gardening and just enjoy nature and nature walks and all this kind of stuff. And uh, until I met Danny, I did not have that. And he had this place. It's a 10-acre farm here in South Mississippi. And um, he had not really gardened it in two years when I met him, and he had gotten rid of all his animals. He had a farm before, and uh, he said, I, I really want to start gardening again. And so in 2013, all his fruit trees and everything were bearing, and I was in hog heaven. I'm going to tell you, there was all kinds of fruit. You could walk through the yard and eat something fresh almost every day. And so I started canning. That's great. I canned before, so it wasn't anything new. And um so we've made all kinds of jams, jellies, and preserves, and anything imaginable out of peaches and apples and figs, and let's see, what all do we have? I can't even remember at the time. All kinds of berries. We have blueberries and blackberries and strawberries and huckleberries and dewberries. And I mean, you could just walk through. It was either wild in the woods or he had it on this 10 acre. So we just started from there. That year, he wanted to add back the chickens. He said that's the first thing he wanted to do. So we added chickens. From there, we decided, you know, let's keep a garden going every year. And his health went down a couple of years later. And he could not eat a whole lot of everything. He had a lot of things went on. So we had to start taking things out of our diet. We still bought things in the grocery store, but we had most of all our vegetables and fruits that we raised. We were still buying meat in the store. We were still buying other things. So he had surgery about two years, three years into 
us our marriage. And when he had surgery, his gallbladder, he still didn't get over it. He had a lot of issues. He went gluten-free. From there, we just cut out almost everything. He is almost now 90% on our food. What he eats is oh, raised wow. here at Deep South, whether it's the veggies, the fruits, the nuts, the meat. Uh, we raise almost everything he eats. There's a few things like salt and sugar and, you know, the average things that you can't raise here. I'm about 80 to 85%. I'm still a little bit of a junkaholic. And I have to have a few things on the side, you know, my coffee and things like that. But overall, we try to live very simply. We try not to stay stressed out about things. We watch what's going on in the world, but we try to stay out of the world. And we try to keep ourselves, you know, away from that. And we love nature. Part of our channel is simply watching nature, you know, and things like that. So what have been some of the challenging things to get onto your homestead? What are, like... We'll start with with the simplest things, and then we'll talk about the real uh, complicated stuff to do. I'm not an animal person, so getting used to animals all the time was a little bit unnerving for me because I told him, you can have all the animals you want. I just don't want to deal with them at this point. I am the one that takes care of the chickens. Uh, When we had turkeys, I was taking care of the turkeys. Uh, He takes care of the cows, the pigs, the rabbits. Uh, At one point, I was taking care of rabbits. Uh, We had goats. And we've had sheep before. We don't now, but we did. And when we had goats, I even helped deliver my goat, her baby, because she was kind of having a difficult time. But I had three of my five children at home. And I knew about home birth. And I knew a lot about having babies. So when my goat got into distress, I knew how to help handle that that situation. So, um, you know, animals was a hard part for me. But growing food is a love. I love plants. I am a plant person, always been a plant person. And so I love watching from planting that seed all the way to harvesting, to canning, to preparing my food from scratch. I, I mean, I love the whole nine yards of it. Okay. But again, you say that you're not an animal person, but let's start with the, uh, the produce world, you know, fruits, vegetables and all that. What's some of the easiest stuff you've done? What's some of the harder stuff? Oh, well, peas, beans, that sort of thing, corn, tomatoes, all those are easy. They're really an easy crop to grow. Carrots was something I had never grown, but Danny is like a carrot master. He he grows carrots. They're, they're just awesome. And so he taught me how to grow carrots, radishes. I have a love-hate with radishes. I love radishes. I cannot grow them. Everybody has tried to tell me, Danny's tried showing me, I just cannot grow radish. I don't know why, but I have trouble with radishes. Right, but okay, but what are what are some of the things like uh you know that have been really rewarding to grow? Like what's you know what works best? Probably our um, green beans, our yellow wax beans, those type things. Uh, they grow abundantly here. Uh, we can anywhere from a hundred to one hundred fifty, two hundred jars of green beans a year. Uh, we eat fresh almost. Uh, I would say seven to eight months out of the year, I have fresh green beans because of the greenhouses. Uh, we're just fixing to start our fall garden, and I just planted some of the yellow wax beans in there. I love the English peas. Now, the English peas produce pretty abundantly here. Then Danny's corn that he plants for the chickens and the cows, and then we make our own grits and cornmeal from it. The corn is called Danny corn. He created it about 30 years ago. It does really well here. 
We've had a good luck with Cherokee tan pumpkins. It's something that a friend sent a seed from the Cherokee Indians that he has grown for several years. And when we planted it, it grows and produces a little small pumpkin that you can use in any way you would pumpkin or uh, sweet potatoes. We grow sweet potatoes like crazy. The uh, sweet potatoes are something that we live on daily. Um, they're a health food. They are a superfood. And we eat sweet potatoes, whether it's fries, a dessert, a baked sweet potato. I've even made sweet potato cornbread. I have a recipe on my channel. Uh, one very delicious thing is sweet potato cornbread. So, you know, we have such a variety here. And most everything's pretty easy to grow in the deep south. Okay. Um, what do you recommend for some of those just starting out? They're afraid of homesteading. They're afraid of the work. It's all new to them. You know, what are some of the first things that they could attempt to grow that would be easier than others? Probably a few beans and tomatoes or peppers. Those type things are pretty easy to grow. Um, sometimes cucumbers. Um, those things will basically, once they come up, they they just keep going as long as you don't overwater or anything. Beans produce for a certain amount of time. So you would get several weeks or at least three weeks of eating beans fresh. Uh, if you planted enough, you would have enough to can. It's according to space. I would say most people had, are limited in space. So we uh, kind of encourage people to start in containers, raised beds, flower beds in their yards, things like that. But containers is one of the easiest ways. You don't have to have a huge container, but a container of some sort to grow in and herbs. Herbs are easy if you use a lot of herbs, but beans, tomatoes, peppers, those are pretty easy. Okay. Before we continue, I've been personally funding the Finding Genius podcast for four and a half years now, which has led to 2,700 plus interviews of clinicians, researchers, scientists, CEOs, and other amazing people who are working to advance science and improve our lives and our world. Even though this podcast gets 100,000 plus downloads a month, we need your help to reach hundreds of thousands more worldwide. Please visit FindingGeniusPodcast.com and click on Support Us. We have three levels of membership from 10 to $49 a month, including perks such as the ability to see ahead in our interview calendar and ask questions of upcoming guests, transcripts of podcasts you're interested in, the ability to request specific topics or guests, and more. Visit FindingGeniusPodcast.com and click Support Us today. Now back to the show. What are some newer additions you have to your homestead that uh, that you've been trying that maybe are more difficult, but you really enjoy? As far as vegetables? Yeah, or fruits or you know, whatever, whatever, uh, whatever you can grow. Three years ago, we added two ponds, so we have and we stocked them. So growing fish has been really easy because they grow themselves. We just kind of throw a little feed out there every now and then. We added the greenhouses three years ago. We have two, I guess you would call them, high tunnels, and I've been pretty much growing anything in there. We've grown citrus in there. We've actually grown uh, blackberries in there. I grew pumpkins. I've grown popcorn, beans, okra. I'm trying to think. I've grown almost everything. One year I had a Cherokee garden in my high tunnel. Everything was Cherokee, popcorn, Cherokee, pumpkins, Cherokee, yellow. What does that mean, Cherokee? Beans. What do you mean, Cherokee? That's the first part of the variety, I guess. And I was going for what does that a mean Cherokee, Cherokee garden. It, so what does that mean, a I, Cherokee garden? Okay, so in my greenhouse, I kind of give it a theme lots of times. So 
that year, that was last year, the year before, I can't remember which year, I decided I wanted to plant everything that possibly the Cherokee Indians had planted, and that would have included, and the seed companies, I guess, decide on this name, but they put Cherokee in front of it. It would be Cherokee yellow wax beans, the Cherokee tan pumpkins, the Cherokee popcorn, the Cherokee purple tomatoes, and I had just a whole garden in there uh, had that name in front of it. They all grew abundantly in that high tunnel. And so I had a whole garden. I kind of theme my garden sometimes. Have you ever had like a biblical foods garden? Have you ever themed it that way? I probably should. That's a great idea. I think with the southern gardens, I tried the southern gardens and I did like okra and, you know, the things that we grow here in the South, and I have grown sweet potatoes in the high tunnel. We just harvested some. Danny grew white grapes last year, and we still have the vines. This year it was so hot that the vines did not produce. They did not. They put on the little grapes, but they didn't take due to the heat. That's one of the major problems here is that this summer got extremely, heat, you know, the hot for our area. But he grew tags of white grapes in his high tunnel last year, and it was amazing, fresh white grapes that we grew ourselves. Have you tried a greenhouse? You, know, you mentioned a high tunnel a bunch of times. Uh, why use that instead of a greenhouse or just open-air cultivation? Okay, so we have gardens, lots and lots of gardens that are just, you know, outside. We have like four different gardens that we plant in ground. Then we have the first greenhouse that we built about maybe five years ago was with polycarbonate panels and um we grew all kinds of veggies in it but it was, it was really small it was uh, our first attempt at growing in a greenhouse in the deep south and right now we have pineapples in there we've harvested i think four pineapples already this year out of there pineapples love the polycarbonate panels um, cool. Three years ago, he decided he wanted a high tunnel. And I told him, I said, we don't need a high tunnel. We can grow in the ground. And um, he just decided he wanted to try the high tunnel. And so we bought our first high tunnel from Grower Solutions, put it up. And within six weeks, food was just growing and it was abundant. And it was it was doing so wonderful till he looked at me and said, I think I want a second high tunnel. And I said, you got to be kidding. I mean, we just put this one up. It's just now getting to go. And he said, no, I want a second one. I said, well, the only way we're going to do a second one is if it's my high tunnel and I get to plant what I want. So now we have his and her high tunnels. His has a black shade cloth. <laughs> mine has a white shade. And cool. they're, we're, we're doing a side-by-side -side for grower solutions to see if the white grows better than the black shade cloth and things like that. And um, both of them grow zucchinis and you could beat each other with them and see who is, is, is a bigger one. You know? Yeah. Well, he tends to grow different than I do. So, so far it's been his and mine, but we both take care of each other. Like I can't grow radishes, like I said. So he came in and he thinned my radishes last year. So I at least had some and uh, I've been taking care of his while he's doing other jobs in the last few months and I take in water he is and things like that and keep things alive but um we just bought 40 acres in January so we are now it's an old home place that has old pecan trees an old barn old pastures that were getting overgrown the pond was overgrown we just have been cleaning it out redoing we redid the pond dug it deeper added more fish we've been cleaning the pastures this 
past we we bought our own old hay equipment and we bailed our own hay for the first time this week. It was amazing. Are you able to feed your family entirely from what you grow or do you trade with other homesteaders or do you sell excess to the public? Like what's your model? Our goal is to eat 365 days a year fresh something. And we have accomplished that in the last three to four years, having something fresh here all the time. Uh, when we have an abundance, we can what we need or we think we need from season to season. We try to live from season to season. I have five children. Danny has two, and we have a supply of grandchildren. So we're always giving them excess. Friends, uh, we are famous here at Deep South for people stopping by and visiting. Since we started our YouTube channel, we were known as the Hospitality Channel. So lots of times we had people coming and going all the time. So we have gave them plants, seeds, produce, uh, have one or two come get a cow. Um We've had all kinds of things going on. That's really cool. Um, so you, you essentially are growing and eating yourself and then, and, you know, supplying friends and family a little bit. Um, what have you noticed uh, is the change in your health and your husband's health as you've uh, eaten more and more fresh food? Well, his energy levels have picked up. Like I said, he had surgery, uh, gallbladder surgery about five years ago. And at one point, he could not hardly lift anything. His, he had just gotten very weak. And it took about a year, year and a half before he finally got past that. And now he is working full time on the farm. And like I said, the new farm. And he's doing things that he did not think he would be able to do again at one point. He still has some of his health issues, but a lot of them have gone away. He cannot eat anything with chemicals in it. Tom, he puts something in his mouth that has a chemical of any kind. He's getting sick. He has a high intolerance for chemicals. My body handles a lot more chemicals. You know, I can handle some a lot of things. All But overall, we are both in our 60s. We are both doing things that most people tell us half the time. I, I just wouldn't do that. If I were you, I would not be doing gardens. I would not be doing the canning. I would not be cooking from scratch. Why don't you just run downtown and grab a burger? You know, things like that. But our health is more important to us. And we feel like at this time of life, we want to live a simple life and we don't want to be in doctor's offices. Neither one of us are on medications. We live very simply. We're not taking a whole bunch of supplements or anything. Our food is our medicine. Mm. Danny drinks nothing but water. I drink water and coffee. We have our own fruit juices from our own, like like I said, the citrus. Last year, we took all of our oranges, satsumas, and tangerines and turned them into juice. And I bought little juice bottles off Amazon and I froze the juice. We are still now drinking orange juice that we put up last winter. We also did that with the scuppernongs and the muscadines that we have here. We turned it into grape juice and we have a supply of little bottles in our freezer of grape juice. We take one out and we have our own grape juice and we have our own orange juice. So we, like I said, we don't go to a grocery store very often and buy anything like that. Nothing uh, that we can do our own self. We grind our own grits and cornmeal, and we had a, I think it's called a uh, steel mill. And recently, we just got a stone ground mill. So we're anxious to start in a couple of weeks grinding our own cornmeal from corn we grew and our own grits and our sugar cane that we grow. 
is almost ready to make syrup. So every year we make sugarcane syrup and we make enough for way more than we need. And we supply friends and family and things like that with sugarcane syrup. Mm, okay. Interesting. So is sugarcane pretty hard to grow or is it easy to grow? Is it very abundant, the syrup that you get? Sugarcane is one of the easier crops. Danny has always had a meal for, I don't know, 30, 40 years. So it got broken after Katrina, which would be Hurricane Katrina. And that was in 2005, I believe. And when he and I got married, it was still had not been fixed. That was in 2013. And he and a helper that uh, came to help on the farm one day, they put it back together, fixed it. And we've been making syrup for about six years now. And he kept his cane going in the field. And three years ago, I found a way online where you plant a wagon wheel. And so I showed him, I said, look, in this country, they're planting in wagon wheels. They take the cane and they make it look like a wagon spoke, you know, how the old fashioned wagons look. And we tried it that year. And that is the most beautiful cane ever growing in wagon wheels. You can mow around it. You can get to it. And it's easy to cut down. We do everything ourselves. You don't have to do anything other than fertilize it a couple of times during the summer. And the sugar cane is, it just grows as long as it's getting a little bit of water. Um, This year was a little more difficult because it was a drought year for us. But uh, we planted it close to our pond. But in the extreme drought that we've had over the last 12 months, our ponds are down. But it kept our sugar cane alive because the roots can go deep enough to get water and we chop it down and we have the mill. We use the tractor or the lawnmower to pull the pole around and we squeeze all the juice out. Then Danny sits here all day and cooks the syrup. And usually a hundred stalks will give you 10 gallons of juice. And when it's cooked down all day long, I mean, you can't leave it. It'll burn. But you sit there all day cooking it down, and when it gets through, you have about a gallon of sugarcane syrup. Oh, well. How far will a gallon take you? Like, can you dilute it? Probably incredibly concentrated and strong. So, like, how how long will a gallon last, let's say, if you want to put flavoring in things? Well, Danny eats it just as it is on uh, his oatmeal, and I like it on pancakes or biscuits or something like that. But it, we don't cook it so thick. A lot of people cook it really, really thick, like molasses. We kind of leave it a little bit thin, more like a pancake syrup, mm. so that it pours easily. The taste is unique. It is not like maple syrup. Um, maple syrup is probably one of my favorites, but we can't grow maples here. So right. Alan would last us probably, that's almost a year's worth for us, because we put it in pint. And so... Danny uses about a pint a month. So a gallon would be close to, say, most of the year, at least nine months. And we usually do about five cookings a year. Some years we've done two and three. But on our biggest years, we've done five cooking. And that was way more than we needed for three or four years. Hmm. Okay. Why how come you can't grow maples to make maple syrup? Uh, it's too hot. We have maple trees here, but uh, you have to be up north to be able to tap the maple and make maple syrup. So down mm, south, okay. it's sugar cane. <laughs> okay, I got gotcha. you. Well, very cool. Um, so w- what's the name of your channel where people can learn more about you? Uh, you know, where can they go? Okay, our channel is Deep South Homestead on YouTube. 
I also have a channel called Crazy Days on YouTube. Then we have a podcast called Deep South Homestead, where we just kind of talk about the simple life and things that we do from day to day. And um, trying to think, do we have any? We are on Patreon. We give our patrons okay. a little bit of a preview into what's going on day to day compared to what we put on Hmm. Okay. Those are all good resources, people. That's great. Well, Wanda, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. I really appreciate it. All right. I enjoyed it. Thank you, Richard. If you like this podcast, please click the link in the description to subscribe and review us on iTunes. You've been listening to the Finding Genius Podcast with Richard Jacobs. If you like what you hear, be sure to review and subscribe to the Finding Genius Podcast on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. And want to be smarter than everybody else? Become a premium member at FindingGeniusPodcast.com. This podcast is for information only. No advice of any kind is being given. Any action you take or don't take as a result of listening is your sole responsibility. Consult professionals when advice is needed.